Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day everyone and welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. Jeremy here. Um, Welcome to Autumn. So in this podcast, I'm delighted to introduce Greg Johnson, who's the founder of Farm Owners Academy. Um, I'm really looking forward to some time with Greg and perhaps sharing a bit more about his business journey and his background and what it was that inspired him to bring business coaching into agriculture. I think there's some really important backstory and some really important messaging in there. And just before I introduce Greg um, to you, I feel very privileged to now be part of the Farm Owners Academy team and working directly with Greg. Um, In my yesteryear as a farm consultant, I got to hang out with um, quite a few advisors to the industry who had a depth and wealth of knowledge and experience um, in their field. And Greg is an absolute standout. His depth of experience, his wisdom, um, his entrepreneurial background and how he turns up to help farming families achieve their potential and achieve at their best is second to none in Australia. So I think we're very lucky to have him with us today. And again, I feel very privileged to now be in business with Greg and and part of the Farm Owners Academy journey. So Greg, thank you and welcome. Thanks, Jeremy, and and hello, everybody, and thank you very much for the kind introduction. I, I think it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably a bit overstated, but uh, that's fine. I certainly have had a long, a long, many many years involved in the farming industry, both as an active participant and as a consultant. So I guess that um, you know, I, I do have a few runs on the board in that space, but uh, yeah, that's just very nice of you. Thanks, Greg. So. Just to kick us off, I, I, we hear we heard hear it said that history repeats itself often, and I think it's very true in our industry, perhaps for better or for worse. Um, I think, Greg, you grew up with a father who was incredibly entrepreneurial and a very successful businessman, and I can't help but feel like history is repeating itself in that. What I see of you is a very successful entrepreneur and business person. Um, how was it growing up as the son of a true Australian entrepreneur? Yeah, well, it was interesting, Jeremy. I was um, I'm the there were six kids in in my family. In my family, I was the fifth of six of six children, um, the youngest boy. And um, and it's, it's it's interesting when I reflect back on, on that process because out of the six children. Um, in the family, three girls and three boys. I'm actually the only one that's gone on to to become um, a, a business owner. Pretty well, everybody else. My oldest brother was an engineer. He worked pretty well all of his life for other businesses, for companies, uh, mining companies, and so forth. My middle brother was um, Ian Johnson. Some of you might know he was act- very actively involved in MLA for a long time. He was the acting CEO at one stage, but he headed up um, the, all the research at programs at MLA for quite a number of years so so he was he worked you know had a long working environment um with, with under other people or with other people um so and my, t- my three sisters um have all ended up in employed jobs so so it is a bit interesting to think about it um 
why it was that kind of I ended up taking the journey of, of being a business owner rather than an employee. And I think it probably come, came back to the fact that I was very heavily involved from a very early age in, in all of the activities that my father was involved with. Um, he his, his principal business that he developed over many years was a passenger coach service um, in South Australia initially and then ended up being a national, uh, the first national passenger coach service in Australia. And and um, and I guess I started working after school in that business uh, from the age of about 13. So uh, you know, I, I would I would basically go to go to, to the um, the bus depot in Adelaide after school every every day, every weekday, and, and work in the freight depot there, and then and then go home with him um, at night. And so I suppose I spent a lot more time with him in in his businesses than my other brothers and sisters did. Um, um, he also um, had a passion for farming land, and he, he purchased and owned quite a lot of farming land around the the state of South Australia over his time and um, and I was also actively involved in working on those farms whereas my older brothers and sisters probably were were at a slightly different phase of his career development and, and probably didn't spend quite as much time um, with him in, in his business um, environment so so maybe that was um, the critical thing for me I think is that I was kind of immersed in in his world to a fair degree um, and I guess by probably by osmosis you know the the process of entrepreneurship and the mindset around business business ownership and business management and so forth, I guess, just you know, grew out of that um, exposure and that um, and that uh, that time I spent with him in, in in the pursuits that he was following. I think about some of our clients, Greg, and so many have a mindset of being a technical operator, um, and I wonder. I feel like a lot of us might have missed that history repeating itself as it has for you where we might all have grown up under technical operators um what do you think it is that you've learned most having an entrepreneurial um mentor in your father perhaps rather than what for many might be sort of growing up under a technician yeah i think that the the really salient lessons for me um are that you know, if you have an idea that's worth pursuing, then take the time to really analyse that idea, to really sit down and do the due diligence on whether whether or not the idea has the potential to be turned into a business. Um, and, and if you do the due diligence and it looks like there's potential there, and generally what you're looking to do is you're looking to fill a need. Um, most businesses actually fill a need somewhere. There's a, you know, you have to have a, there has to be a, an audience um, of people generally who require what it is that you're offering as a business, and so so you're filling, you're identifying a need, clearly identifying that need, you're filling filling that need, and and then you when you actually finally um, make the jump into um, having at, uh, at uh, creating a business around that need or that service offering, then you know be very very um, uh, careful on watching the numbers, making sure that the numbers um, matter, you know, that the, the numbers are telling you that, uh, that what's going on in the business. It's, it's such an important thing that, you know, with all businesses, there's that you have to know what's going on in the business at any particular time, particularly with a startup business. And and personally, I classify a startup business as a business that still relies on the owner's um, labour to to run. So to, uh, um, the definition of a true business is a profitable company that can run without the owner's. 
So if, if any business that still requires the owner's input um, to, to, to run from a da- on a day-to-day basis, to me, is still a startup business. Um, and, and whilst any business is in startup in particular, the numbers really matter because they will, they will tell you exactly what's going on in the business. They'll also lead you to or point you to or get you thinking about the things you might have to do or need to do to actually turn that business into the sort of business that you're wanting to generate down the track. If you don't have visibility on that, then the likely scenario is, is that you'll, you may well just flounder away many, many years and actually not end up with the sort of business you're wanting to create. Greg, do you think commodity producers miss that important piece strategically in the defining or the not defining the gap or the niche that they play in? Oh, look, I think it's critical. Um, I just can't see really how you can run a successful business or expect to run a successful business without having a very clear understanding of what it is that you're wanting to produce. What's the need that you are wanting to satisfy? So, as commodity producers, obviously, there's a market for every commodity. You know, uh, it, the, the price might not be what you want to, to make a profit, but basically as a farmer, you can produce anything and you can sell it because um, agriculture has very mature markets for pretty well every product that's, that's produced. Um, the point is, though, you know, is are the commodities that you're producing um, firstly the best fit for what you're, you know, for your passion, you know, what it is that you're passionate about in, in farming? Secondly, does it fit the landscape that you farm? You know the the, the climate and the, and the and the land that you actually own. You know, is is it the best fit for that for that country? And then thirdly, you know, can you run that enterprise or those that um, fill that or produce that commodity in a way that actually um, produces enough income for you to make a, a, a enough profit to make the business a worthwhile exercise? So they're the three real th- the important things, and I think that. For a lot of us, we don't actually have that consideration. We don't think deeply enough about what it is that we should be doing um, with our farming land to to really, you know, come to that intersection of what we're passionate about, what we can be very good at, and what really gives us, um, you know, great financial return. Greg, what you're touching on, and just for our listeners, there's a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins, and he's an amazing researcher in this and has written a book called Good to Great, which goes into a lot of depth. So if this is on point for you, that book would be a go-to from my perspective, Um, and I'm sure for yours as well, Greg. Um, If you reflect back on your father as an entrepreneur and getting ideas through to, you know, viable, sustainable businesses, um, I mean, would you mind just giving a bit more background on him, what he achieved, and perhaps how he discovered gaps um, in markets and uncovered those in order to launch successful companies? Yeah, I guess not unlike um, a lot of people of his, of his age. My father was born in 1927. He was a family of nine and he left school at 14 to, um, to, to go out and work to start to support, help support the family. So, so he had a limited edu- education, uh, you know, just finished basically um, year seven, um, and then and then left school. So went out um, initially um, with a charcoal burner in up in the the Mallee in in South Australia, up at Morgan, um, and um, and was involved in a charcoal um, manufacturing business up there. Or um, and and so he was stacking the charcoal pits. That was his first job. Um, and and then and and this is I think this is the really key thing. It's the mindset of the entrepreneur. Um, he he wasn't when he was working away. You know 
um, stacking the charcoal pits and unloading the charcoal pits and so forth. He was also looking at, okay, well, what would I need to do to actually, you know, um, get further with this particular with this particular job? And what he understood is that the axemen, the guys who actually cut the wood, were making a lot more money than the people who were stacking the pits. So he thought, well, bugger this, I'm not going to stay stacking the pits forever. I'm going to I'm going to go out and start, you know, and start swinging an axe. So that's what he did. He he stepped up and he and he he got out of the pits and he and he went swinging an axe for. A period of time and, and was actually very good at it. His, his tonnage, daily tonnage rates was amazing. And for anyone who sort of knows the charcoal industry up that area, you're cutting down, you're cutting down Mallee, and and you know Mallee's not a, not that easy to chop. It's pretty hard. Um, so and it's pop, you know, it's pretty hot country. So it's, it was was a pretty um was a difficult job, but uh, certainly there was reasonable money to be made in those days um, because of the, the the demand for uh, for charcoal in the in industry and so forth. But then um, one of the things he noticed also while he was in that job is that the um, once the charcoal was was produced and it was bagged up, it was then loaded onto old trucks and it was driven down to Adelaide for sale. And then he thought, well, you know, maybe I think there's there's a better opportunity here if, if I actually look at the truck side of things and, and maybe I'll buy a truck and I'll actually start carting the charcoal and 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 firewood rather than swing an axe. So that that was his next step was to basically buy. A, Buy an old truck and 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 started um, running charcoal and firewood back to Adelaide um, instead of actually being swinging the axe. And so, and then the next thing you know that sort of led to that is that he thought by that stage he'd married and he started having a family and sort of living up the Mallee wasn't all that easy. So he decided to move into Adelaide and and started driving passenger coaches um, just for a local company there. And and as as at the same time he put himself through a, a, an accountancy. Training, so he actually he went through um, some basic financial training um, that he put himself through, um, and then it just so happened after a, a year or so of driving buses for this particular company, there was an issue at the top with the with the um, the CEO uh, wasn't doing a very good job. Um, the owners decided to um, off the CEO and and basically asked him whether he'd like to step in. Now he'd never run a business before; he'd never even you know even had that inkling. But well, he obviously had the inkling because he. Um, because he put himself through this accountancy or this finance um, training that he'd done, so he stepped in, and and it kind of all went from there. So from there, he, you know, he had a number of different um, opportunities to to get involved in various bus services, purchased uh, Murray, Murray, Murray Valley coaches, and and um, and a number of different um, businesses as things grew. But um, eventually, ended up with um, uh, Bird's Eyes Motor Company, uh, which he formed into state liner which was an interstate i'm oh, sorry a south australian based uh bus coach um business um and then not being satisfied with that um really i guess his a longer term horizon was to turn that that passenger coach business into a national into a national uh, coach service which australia didn't have at that point of time um and so over a period of years and with negotiations ended up um, forming a Greyhound in Australia, so which which became the first national coach line um, in Australia. So really, quite an amazing story when you actually sit down and, and look at it from extremely humble beginnings to really what was a very um, prominent and, and national business servicing um, servicing people's transport requirements, which is you know a very defined need um, at that stage. You know, airline uh, travel was pretty expensive, um, and and bus and, and cars weren't that reliable um and and so you know long distance passenger coach services 
um, were quite in demand. Not not quite the same these days, but certainly that was the, the niche and, and the opportunity in those days. What do you most admire about your father, Greg? I think the thing from a business perspective, the thing that really stands out for me is that he was never satisfied with his current position. He was always looking, thinking about how he could do better, you know, looking at what the next opportunity was, you know, what what was the opportunity in his current space to do a better job? You know, what was it to expand? Was it to was it to bring in um, uh, similar businesses or, or similar opportunities that actually supported what he, his core business? You know, what, what was where where the opportunities lie? So, in other words, never happy with the current reality, always looking to improve. And you know, and and at the same time, and this is the thing I really learned from him at an early age. Bringing in people that could support him in his um, in his in his goals, um, you know, bringing in people with talent, people with skills that had more knowledge than he had in particular areas. He's had life lifetime friends and associates who are lawyers and accountants and so forth who've supported him through his journey. So it's bringing in those people, surrounding yourself with those people who are smarter than you in the areas that you really need to bring in for your business to to help you to to, you know, create the sort of business environment that you need and help you um, support really good quality decision-making. Thank you. In the last podcast that I did with Aaron Hutchin, episode 70, we talked about intergenerational transition. Um, How did succession play out in your business family, Greg? Well, it was actually pretty interesting um, because, because none of us actually ended up um, none of the family members ended up ever showing much interest in taking on the bus, the passionate coach business. So we we were we were actually more, I guess, um, to some degree, rurally oriented. We, we got a bit more tuned into the the farming side of um, of his pursuits. Um, I ended up um, training to be a vet um, and wanted to be a rural vet. Um, my middle brother, as I said, worked for the MLA, so he, he did a rural science degree and then a PhD in rural science in um, a PhD at Reading University. In, in England, then came back and worked for MLA for many, many years, um, and and actually after that went and was the CEO at, um, at the um, PIRDC, the Pig Industry Research Development Council, as well. So, and he's and then for a number of years sat on the the sugar board. So he's he's had a lot of involvement. Well, his whole life's basically been in agriculture. Um, my older sister was involved with did a, a, an ag science degree. Um, so we, we 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 kind of gravitated more towards the rural side of. Of his um, of his portfolio, if you like, rather than the bus side. I, I worked in the buses, as I say, um, as a labourer for quite a few years when I was a teenager. But I didn't really ever have a, a passion for that particular business. So um, when and, and there was never any expectation that that was going to happen for us either. So so um, when the time was right for my father, he just um, he decided to um, to put the prop, to put the business for, up for sale. Um, and and basically sold it, and then used that money to go on to other pursuits. One of which was a, a sheep dairy. I was in business with him um, with a sheep dairy. We started on Kangaroo Island back in nineteen ninety. Uh, in nineteen ninety, Island Pure Sheep Dairy it was the first sheep dairy in South Australia, and it ran for about twenty five years. Um, we sold it. The business was sold um, after about twenty years to a, a new owner, and unfortunately, that new owner chose not to. Um, take advice that they were given around um, or the opportunities for advice that they were given around the management of the livestock and the running of the dairy and turned a, 
a business that was basically a $1.5 million turnover business um, into bankruptcy within five years. So just a, a great illustration of really how important management and management skill is in um, in any business, the success of any business. It doesn't matter how long the business has been running for or how successful it's been, the current manage, managers need to understand the business um, and, and, and be able to manage it and run it in a way that will keep it successful. Otherwise, you know, businesses fail. And we've seen that time and time again. Balfour's in Adelaide, 90 years old business um, in the hands of a younger generation, um, all of a sudden in the hands of a receiver because um, of poor management. So, you know, and nothing to do with the products that are being produced, the prices, all around the business management. I think it was Dale Carnegie, wasn't it, that said that in his lifetime of research that the capability of the leader in management is the number one determinant of the success of a small business. There's no doubt about that. I think it's, and it's not just small business, it's also large business as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at a lot of public companies, when they have the wrong CEO in place, um, often their their fortunes can 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 fluctuate, you know, can, can uh, take a downturn. So, and, um, you know, so a lot of, um, a lot of savvy investors will actually invest on the basis of who's the CEO, you know, what's the, what's the quality of the CEO. So it is, it is a really important feature of all business, not just small business. Which prompts me to ask the question of our listeners, how much have you invested in your own development in the last 24 months? In the last, 20, in the last 24 months? Well, just in the last two years as an example. Like we all invest so much money in bright and shiny gear and in the best genetics and you know, in so many things that help us grow out our farms. But if the number one thing that determines the success of our business is our ability to lead and manage and make good business decisions, how much have you invested recently in your own development? Um, I find, Greg, that most small business owners and most farm business owners are just not investing nearly enough in their own development as individuals and as entrepreneurs. What would your comment be around that? Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true, Jeremy. I mean, it, it, let me let me make a point here. You know, I, I think running a business is probably one of the hardest things you can possibly do. It's 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 a tough gig. You know, if you don't want uh, if you don't want um, significant challenges in your life, then go and work for somebody else. You know, it's um, business has a really um, interesting way of throwing up all sorts of challenges that you don't get when you're an employee. Um, having said that, though, you know. Um, Business is a game. I, I treat business as a game. I, I love the game. I actually, I, I can't imagine not being a business owner. Um, you know, when, when I left university, um, I couldn't, I, I didn't even think about going and working with somebody else. I couldn't do that. It's, I, had to, I had to own my own business. I had to make my own mistakes. I had to, I had to have, you know, control of my destiny. But, but with that comes a responsibility that you have to be able to um, get yourself into a position where you can lead people where you can, you know, um, understand what's required to, to run successful businesses, where you can negotiate with the people that you're with, with the, you know, the main people that you that you need to negotiate with to keep your business successful. There's a whole heap of skills that you need to develop to be a successful business owner. And and those skills um, are all there. Nobody is born a business owner, a successful business, business, business owner or an entrepreneur. We, we learn those skills and and so and anybody can learn them. But, you know, you just have to be open to investing time and, and effort and money into that self-development. Otherwise, you know, it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. And so, you know, a lot of people who 
say, oh, I, you know, I, I have trouble finding staff and or people in, for my team and, and keeping people in my team, that's a skill. It's a set of skills. And well, it's really interesting when you look across the, 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 the landscape, doesn't matter whether it's the agricultural landscape or any other business landscapes, you'll find people in the same businesses or similar businesses, similar areas that have no problems attracting members of uh, team members to their teams and keeping them. And just down the road, you'll have somebody else who, who's really struggling and, and, is, you know, and, and is always saying that they just can't get people to come. So the issue is not around the location, which a lot of people blame their location. It's not around the location. It's not around um, really, it's, it's mostly to do with who you are as a leader and what you're offering, what you bring to the table as, as far as um, your leadership and, and, and how attractive you make um, your business to people who you might want to come and work for you. So that's just one of the, one of the skill sets you need to be a successful business owner. But, but it comes from self-development. And um, gosh, I can't, I don't think I could even, you know, count up the number of hours I spent reading books and, and and you know and in investing in courses and online and and uh, and direct courses on self improvement over the years it's been you know it's it's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars and and many 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 hours um, and I'm still learning now because you know there's, there's it's really you never stop as a business owner there's always new things to learn there's always more that you can add to your armory and portfolio and that's the thing that one of the things I guess my father taught me i mean he's he's now still alive he's 95 just turned 95 and and i mean he sold out of the bus business when he was in his late 50s um he then went farming with i, I actually partnered with him in one of his farms and we were in partnership for a while in that farm we then went into partnership with a sheep dairy um he taught himself to become become a very um successful share investor um when he was about in his 70s so um you know so really um, I guess what that the lesson for me there is that you never stop um, or when you give up or when you stop is when you actually, it's time to actually retire and, and probably that's when things are going to go backwards. But, you know, you can keep yourself challenged. You can keep yourself moving forward um, just as um, Colonel Sanders did with KFC. I think he was 65 or something like that when he, when he sort of cracked the nut on, on the KFC franchise and, and the same with Ray Kroc with uh, McDonald's. He was 59 when he identified the opportunity with McDonald's and moved that out into franchise. So, you know, often I think your really best years in business come in the sort of in your middle-late 50s and into your 60s because you've had that experience, you've had that grounding, you've got that, that, um, that, all that wisdom behind you that you can use to really um, do a good job with the business you get involved in at that point in time. So, Greg, if we arrived to six or seven years ago, I think you were involved in a an entrepreneurial training masterclass in the vet sector. And um, it was from that that I guess you might have touched on or, or you know, been exposed to this concept of business coaching um, being effective and successful in supporting entrepreneurship in other industries. What was it that I guess gave you the, the idea or the inspiration to or the determination, if you like, to set down to bring business coaching into agriculture? Yes, it's, it's an interesting one, Jeremy. It's just amazing how things happen. But we've been running, my, my, my wife and myself have been running this vet clinic. We, we, we set up a vet clinic on Kangaroo Island when we first um, shifted here just after graduation from university. And, and we've been running that clinic for about 30 years. And 
And at that stage, I think we had about five people involved. There was myself and, and Deb. There was uh, two nurses um, and a part-timer, I think. Oh, no, sorry. There was myself and Deb and, and, and another vet and two nurses. That was the five people in the, in the business. And you're right, I went away to a boot camp um, on, in Queensland, which was for um, vets. And I met a guy there called Andrew Roberts, who was one of Australia's leading business coaches, had worked with a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses with a great deal of success. And he was talking about a lot about the, the things that are needed to run really successful businesses. And, and it kind of tweaked my interest a bit. And they were running, um, they decided, or Andrew and uh, the, the fellow who he was working with at the time decided to run a, a one year mastermind course, training mastermind course for vets. Well, actually, it wasn't just for vets, there was other businesses in it as well. So it was pitched at at vets, but also anybody else who wanted to be in the in the mastermind. And so we signed up for that. It was a pretty expensive exercise, and we we you know at the time you know, it was a lot of money for us. Um, we had we said um, dependent children, so um, you know there was a lot of money was going out into children's education and so forth. But um, but we just felt I just felt that was it was an opportunity that we needed to take. Um, so we enrolled in that and, and 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 spent the 12 months basically learning from Andrew and, and the other people in the room about you know about their experiences in business and 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 what they were doing um, that we may or may not have been doing um, or that we could have done better um, and they also acted as um, a sounding board for the issues that we were having and to help us to I guess brainstorm some of the solutions that we might have um, had for issues that we were facing as business owners and I guess during the our, in time with that in that mastermind, it, it, it occurred to me, well, it became very obvious to me that 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 farmers, the farming space lacked um, really business coaching. Um, I'd been consulting to the farming sector for pretty well all of, all of the thirty years that I'd been um, in a, in a um, the veterinary practice here. One of the reasons we moved to Kangaroo Island is because it has the highest sheep density per head of population anywhere in Australia, and we wanted to be involved in the rural industries. We we believe that we we had some things to offer. Uh, we tried, we did some special training while we we're at university around consulting, um, consulting in the in cattle and, and sheep enterprises. So we believe we had some things we could offer, and, and we set about implementing and and delivering those sorts of trainings and that involvement um, to the Kangaroo Island farming space when we when we from when we first moved over here, but. But that training that we received and, and the consulting we were doing was pretty well technical. It was all about production and how do you improve production on farm. And, and it wasn't much about the business side of it. And it became obvious to me over that sort of time of consulting that, that there's far more to business. In fact, there's far more important things to business, running a successful business, than the technical side of the operation. Um, you know, you can be the best technical farmer in the world, but if you don't run a if you're not savvy in business, then you'll, you'll, you'll never run a business that's, that's, that has good profitability and that necessarily satisfies where you want to go from a, from a financial perspective. But what I did notice um, in my time um, with the people I was working with as a consultant is that the, the really high-performing farms all had really good handle on their business. They, they knew their numbers. Um, they, they kept very good track of, of what the business was doing from a financial perspective. They also... Spent time on their own, a lot of time on their own self development, so their own their own training, and so. Um, but there were still some areas that, that that they were struggling with, things like employing and you know leadership and team management and those sorts of things. So, so over the course of this time with um, with Andrew, it became very apparent to me that um, that those same that these same skill sets 
needed to be delivered to the, the farming industry in Australia and, um, and in fact, were far more important to, to success in farming than the actual technical um, ex, um, part of the business. Most farmers in Australia have good technical expertise. What they, what they lack, though, is an understanding of, of their business and the way to run their business well because when you have that understanding and you, and you really are running the business or, or you're doing the things you need to have good visibility on the business, you will, it will naturally lead you to be asking questions around what you need to do from a technical perspective to actually take the business forward. So that, that really precedes the increase in technical knowledge. There's so much research and so much R&D and training, Greg, around the technical part of farming, and I think it's wonderful that over the last seven years that you have pioneered this entrepreneurial and business training that complements that. I crudely, I've been a business coach in regional Australia now for 12 years, mentoring small and emerging companies regionally. And, you know, to hammer the point home that you've just made, there are 120 plumbers in Wagga, which is where I used to be based. And um, I don't care as a client how good any of them are at plumbing, but really, because it's an expected skill. Um, of course, they're all good at plumbing, but of the 120 plumbers in Wagga, there's probably only four that are shooting the lights out. And it's not because they're better plumbers than the others. It's just that they've got a better business leadership and better um, ability to truly act as a CEO to their company. And it's a crude example, but for farmers, it's the same. It's it's not about what you do. It's about how well you do it. And so maybe that we've probably all sharpened the axe enough that we're competent enough in the technical. Now it might be about really turning our mind to how we can grow as leaders in the business space. Um, I really appreciate your comments around that, Greg. Um, just as we track on this, that mastermind program that you were part of that was there you know you invested in that to support the growth of your vet practice what impact did that have on the success of that company um over that time yeah it was astronomical really um you know we we, we were we thought we were going okay and we were going okay as a business as i said we've been running for about 30 years we started from scratch i started Deborah myself my, my wife and myself started the vet business from scratch um, and so as I say you know at that stage we had five there was five people in, fully involved in the business we were turning over about eight hundred thousand dollars a year I suppose and and the profit was was okay um, you know it was it was it was comparable with other vet practices around the country but we just I just knew there was there was other opportunities that we weren't tapping into I, I didn't know what it was at that point of time but I, I'm, I was sure there was something else that we could have been doing um, to help our service offering um, in our area, and just remember that you know I'm on Kangaroo Island. Kangaroo Island's yeah, um, four and a half thousand people total, um, so we're geographically constrained. The business can't expand geographically beyond the borders of Kangaroo Island. So we've got a population that you know our business has to be has to be supported by that population. And so you know, unlike a lot of other businesses that can just expand their reach, we we really couldn't expand our reach. So um, and really. In the, in the process of that 12 months of the mastermind, um, an opportunity or an idea unfolded to me to actually um, change our model, change the business model. And we, we added, we, we significantly changed the way we, um, 
went about our business, not from the point of view of the, the technical veterinary side, but we added some other elements to the business that actually significantly accelerated the growth of the business. And to, to the stage where last year, so this is um, seven years later, we turned over $4.5 million and there's now um, 15 people in the business. I don't actually work in the business at all. Um, don't spend any time in the business at all. Deb now spends about maybe three to four months of the year in, in the business and, and only she just does foot control work. It's something she loves. She loves to be out on the farm working with farmers and their sheep. So she's um, she's an absolute Australian gun at, at um, foot rot control. She's got a foot rot eradication program or process that is second to none. And so she works with farmers now to help in the foot rot eradication programs. Um, and, and, that, and that's what she does. That's what she wants to do. So we've been able to set the business up so that she can just now immerse herself in the things she wants to do. I don't, as I say, work in the business at all anymore, haven't for quite a number of years. And the whole business is now run by a team. So... You know, absolutely amazing change, and and I'm I was heavily involved in annual benchmarking of my veterinary practice, along with about three hundred and fifty other vet practices across Australia. So I knew how we were going compared to the broader industry, and I mean our, our growth was we were we were averaging about eighty percent um, annualised growth, um, compound growth, which is pretty pretty sensational when the average um, for the industry was about three uh, percent. So. So really, you know, that just that one um, or that 12 months of training and really getting um, my head in, in a very different space um, and, and really thinking about um, clearly about what it is that um, the opportunities that, that um, could present themselves for the business and then, and then doing the due diligence and enacting them just made just a, an incredible difference um, in that space. And at the same time, um, I launched... A couple of other businesses as well, and and um, and you know they've gone on to be very successful businesses also. So just to that point, Greg, I'd, Richard Branson once said that once you learn how to run one business well, there's no reason why you can't run multiple successful businesses concurrently. I look at what you, I I understand that you do now. Um, it's far more than that vet practice, and it's far more than um, a directorship here at Farm Owners Academy. And what's your comment about that? Once you learn these entrepreneurial skills, what's possible by way of, you know, diversification in the business space? There's absolutely no doubt about it, Jeremy, that, that you know, that, as I said before, business is a game. And so if you know the rules, you're more likely to be successful at the game. And, and so I think that, um, you know, the, really the art of entrepreneurship is learning the rules of business. And once you learn those rules, then you can apply them to whatever it is that you want to, to apply them to, and so you're absolutely right. I'm I'm involved still in a number of businesses now, and and um, and I think uh, apart from one business which is which is still in startup phase, um, all of the others are now turning over at least a million dollars a year or more. Um, uh, so you know they've they've gone on, which to me is a, is a the class a million dollar turnover is when a business starts to become, I think, a reasonable business. You know, we're moving away from a from a um, almost a a hobby to actually a serious business once you start getting to that level of, of ter annual turnover. Um, and so, you know, we, we've now got, I'm now, I'm now involved intimately in, you know, a number of businesses with that sort of level of, of turnover and, and you know, and reasonable profitability associated with it as well. So, and, and it really is just by applying the rules. Um, and can I say that all of these businesses were startups? No, I didn't, we didn't purchase any of them. They're, they're all startups. And, 
And, you know, startups, uh, the success rate of startups is not high. Um, most startups fail um, within the first five years. And, and you know, over 10 years, very, very few of them um, go on with it to, to succeed. So, but these businesses, um, you know, have, have moved through the startup phase now and they're, they're certainly moving into a much more mature because we've got teams um, in, in all those businesses now that are that are taking on a lot of the activity. And, and, you know, part of the process of developing those businesses is to work out how the owners are going to remove themselves from a lot of the activity and just work in the in the areas of the business they, that they um, provide the most value and that they, that they would enjoy working in. So so that's part of the process always with all the businesses that we get involved with. But um, you're absolutely right. You know, it's not hard to run multiple businesses once you know how to run one. It's, it's, it's just a question of, you know, rinsing and repeating and, and playing by the rules. Greg, we started this conversation talking about how entrepreneurs find gaps in industries and then create successful and sustainable businesses around them. What's the gap or what's missing in agriculture or in the industry, in your opinion, that business coaching is here to resolve? Well, I think that the, 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 from the first perspective, as I said before, you know, pretty well anything you want to produce as a farmer, there's a market for. So, so once you get um, once you get pretty clear on, on the, the, the commodities that you're going to produce and, and you know what, what you're actually turning off of the farm, then it comes back to running the most efficient business that you possibly can. And and what I was seeing over and over again in the farming space is that there was just so many aspects of good business management that just were being you know, poorly done or, the, or, or that there just wasn't great knowledge um, of within the farming uh, farm ownership sector. And and so, for example, you know, things like, um, you know, poor financial literacy, not really understanding you know, how to produce um, how, how to produce and use a cash flow statement and a cash flow forecast to really um, produce more certainty in your, in your business going forward. How to, from that, how to produce a, a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet that you can use to really understand where the business is at where it's come from and where it's going um, and, and help you make really good sound financial decisions. I mean, they are critical pieces of information that anybody in business in any other walk of, of, of life and, and that owns a business outside of farming really um, probably recognises the need for and, and, and a lot of people do actually um, are, are quite skillful at those outside of farming. But in, in the farming space, a lot of those, a lot of farmers just don't have much idea of, of how to generate those, let alone how to use them. And, and really, you know, if you don't have financial uh, if you don't have financial um, insight into your business that's current then it's really a bit like driving a car um, with a blindfold on and let's think about that you know if you were if you were to drive down the road in a car with a blindfold on you'd pretty soon get arrested or you have a pretty big accident but in business we you know we can do it we can go on running a farming business for years with a blindfold on and nobody cares so it, it really is such an important part of it you know Things like planning, I mean, there's, there's such an important role of, of strategic planning in actually developing or, or achieving the long-term goals that you want for your business. And, and if I step back even one more than that, I think a lot of people who are, who are farm business owners don't even have a really clear understanding of what they're trying to achieve. You know, what is it they're, they're trying to get to in 10, 15, 20 years' time? What, what does the business look like? What does their life look like? The, the clearer you can get around around that longer-term vision, um, the more chance you've got of being able to put strategies in place today and over the next few years that are going to help drive the business towards the direction of that, the delivery of that vision. And so getting clear on that vision and then coming back to, to a really clear strategic planning process that actually makes sure that you schedule um, the things that you need to do 
to, to, to drive the business towards and your life towards those goals um, to make it happen. We'll, we'll, you have a much higher chance of success if you do that than just winging it because often what I see in farming and, and, and sometimes in other businesses as well is that people just, they just go and work and they, they get involved in the day-to-day business and before you know it, five years has gone past, 10 years has gone past and really they haven't actually moved their business or their, their life any closer to what their long-term goals are if they have them at all. Um, and, and part of that, you know, is, is being involved with this, this technical focus all the time. And yes, you have to be able to run the technical aspects of a farm, but you don't you don't have to be the best technical farmer in the world to run the best farming business. Um, it's very important um, that you remember that. So, so you know, um, it's it's easy, and most of us come to farming and come to other businesses through a technical background. But we really need to be sure, you know, make sure that if we come from a technical background, then we need to spend lots of time um, upskilling in the business side of, of, of um, running a, a successful business. Greg, just before you sort of expand on that a little, um, out of 100 farms that you might work with, how many would you say would have financial literacy at the level required? Um, and how many do you think out of 100 would have a robust strategic plan that is um, practical and actionable. So I think that the the, the number of people who have a, a good understand a good enough understanding of the financial um, aspects of, of a farming business is is probably um, about five percent, um, and that's just not only on my own experience. It's also based on some by hand surveys that have done of of people that we've. Delivered training to over the, the last few years in Farmers Academy. I've um, every at every one of our um, events, we I always ask people, you know, what they're doing is in their in the space of profit and loss and and um, and balance sheets and um, cash flow statements. And it's really quite astounding how few people have any sort of activity in this area at all. So it's 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 very very sad um, and, and really quite an indictment on the industry. We don't have um, highly skilled people. When, when you go, when you go to have a meeting with your accountant about your business, you should know you need to know more about your business from a financial perspective than what your accountant does, because if you don't, then you basically you can't have a, a, a decent conversation with him or her about what it is that you're, you're doing in your business. And what often I see is that is that the 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 owner of the business then starts to rely on the accountant for for advice. Um, around the day-to-day financial management of the business. And can I say this to you that, you know, accountants are very, very good at what they're trained to do. They're, they're good at producing tax returns. They're good at running an accountancy business, but they're not farmers and they're not good at running farming businesses. And so that's your job. And so, you know, that's you've got to be skillful in that, in that area. And as far as the strategic planning goes, I think it's probably less than the, the, the financial um, part of it. Um, so few farmers that we've come across um, in my time consulting and then also in Farmers Academy have a really clear vision for the future um, that they can work to. And, and, you know, if you don't have a clear vision for the future, then I don't know how you can put any sort of strategic um, or strategies in place to get you there because you actually don't know where you're going. So that's, um, I think, that, I think that's, that would be the way I would, I would see it, Jerry. They're pretty alarming numbers, aren't they? And so worthwhile, listeners, just reflecting on how do you rate yourself on financial literacy and how do you rate yourself on the ability to lead the process of strategic planning 
around your farm business. It's such important points. And they're learned skills, Greg, to your point. Um, what other gaps do you see in the industry that business coaching's here to resolve? I think one of the biggest ones that um, that I, I see is that there's no accountability um, in, I mean, being a farm, being a farm business owner um, is is a is a lonely and and isolated activity. Um, actually, being a business owner full stop is is a pretty lonely and isolated activity. You, uh, because of the nature of business ownership, you you kind of you live in a space where you are a, a bit removed from um, even if you've got a large team around you. Your relationships with that team have to be at a level that is not um, the same level as it would be as as if you were mates down the pub, you know, for example. So. So it is it is a bit isolating and, and it is a little bit um, um, lonely to some degree. But in, in the farming space, it's even worse because you have the ge- geographical isolation as well. So, so but the bottom line is that because you're in, in most farmers, farm business owners are also self-employed, there's nobody to hold them accountable. So it doesn't matter whether you implement activities or strategies or not because nobody's there to actually hold a light up. Or a mirror up to you and say, well, you know, have you done what you said you were going to do? So, I think lack of accountability is a, is a massive problem in all business ownership, but it's certainly a significant problem in, in uh, farm business ownership. Um, I think implementation is an issue. I, I do know that um, the, the most successful farming business owners that I've met in my journey are very good implementers. They will they will they will see something that they believe um, is an opportunity for them that, that could be an opportunity for them. They'll work out how they can incorporate into their business, and then then they'll implement. And it's in that process of implementation that they discover, um, firstly, whether or not what they're looking to to bring in is is actually going to complement the current business or not. They also challenge themselves to learn new skills as part of that implementation process. So, the, what I generally find is that the, the, the people who are successful in business are great implementers. They don't procrastinate. They get in, they, they, once they make a decision, they get in and implement and then they look for the results, monitor the results and then work out whether it's something that's worth persisting with or not. So, so I think that's, um, that's important. Lack of business governance, governance is another one. You know, um, really, I think people don't have a really great understanding of, of the governance that's required to run a successful business and, 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 you know, and, and lead a team um, and, and all of the things that surround governance. So there's, there's, a, there's a whole range of really important skills um, that determine the success of any business um, apart that are, that are quite apart from from how the business makes its money which is the technical part that that really need to be addressed and and, and mastered for any successful business to to really or for any business to have a chance of being a highly successful business I think and so Greg, I guess it's with with those concerns in mind that I predict I guess that inspired you and Robbo to come together to launch Farm Owners Academy. Do you mind speaking to why it was that you undertook to to establish this project Um, and maybe just touch on um, why, I guess, you're now, why it's now the mastermind construct that you had the experience of applied to farming families? Yeah, I think it's 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 really important, Jeremy, that I go back to sort of what was our driving passion thirty years ago or thirty eight years ago, actually, when we graduated from from university. As I said, Dev and I we both went through the veterinary training at Murdoch University in West Australia, and 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 made a decision while we were there that we were going to ship to Kangaroo Island, and we were going to set up a veterinary practice here, but principally we were going to. 
be involved in consulting to the farming industries um, uh, in any way that we could. The vet practice was a vehicle for us to be able to um, make enough money to live on so that we could pay for our, um, our opportunity to be involved in consulting in the farming space. And, and so, um, you know, it, it was always our passion to do whatever we could to improve the, the lot of, um, of the farming businesses that we dealt with in whatever, whatever form that took. Um, because we knew that, um, and my wife Deb is from a from a farming background as well. She was she was brought up on a property just not far out of Keith in South Australia, a Moreno Stud property there. And we, we we both knew that, you know, that living in a in a rural community is a fa- it's a fantastic place to, to to live, fantastic place to bring up kids when things are going well. So you know when 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 the, the economy is going well in those areas. Um, you know they're, they're, they're brilliant places to be um, from a lifestyle perspective you know they just they just offer pretty well everything that you need to to, to for most people um, in their lives but when they're not going well when when there's not enough money around in particular they can be pretty horrible places to be and and there's a lot of suffering in in those areas because of that situation of whether that's coming from you know drought or poor prices or or just um, issues with um, the way the, the farm the profitability of the farms in general so that was that, that really our driving passion was really to to do what we could we, we could um, in whatever way possible to improve the profitability of the farms in the area that we lived in um, to to create a better community a, a, that we lived in a more vibrant community we that we lived in um, um, and also you know if we could to extend that as far our reach as far as possible to affect as many people in our broader community as well so that was really that's really been the driving passion. Now, Farmers Academy, I guess, came out of that. It took a long time getting there, but but we got there, and and um, you know, and certainly, I co- I couldn't have um, believed that that Farmers Academy in its current form would be the outcome of thirty eight years of of drive, I suppose, and passion towards that goal. But you don't have to know how you're going to get to the the goal. You you should have a clearly defined goal, as I talked about before. And you keep at it, you keep persisting, then it's quite incredible um, the, the, the sort of things that that come to play that help you to, um, to to I guess bring that goal into reality. So, and that's really what's happened with Farmers Academy for us. There was a wonderful moment, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Greg. Where at our last client deep dive, we had three hundred farming families or farm farmers in a room in Adelaide, and every morning we get the team together for a huddle before the event starts and um, there was a wonderful moment where Deb shed a tear and was quite emotional around the fact um, that her dream or your collective dream of 38 years ago had been realised and it was just a wonderful moment to sit and see you both, you know, proud of the fact that we'd um, brought a team together and a community together that was achieving the vision that you both set down so long ago. how does it feel when a vision arrives some 38 years later um, in a way perhaps that you couldn't have imagined? Oh, look, it's incredibly satisfying. I think that's one of the things that I find the most thrilling about business and business ownership is that it provides a set of challenges um, and possible rewards that you'll never get as an employee um and and it, i mean it's absolutely amazing how uh, you just invest so much time effort energy and money into any business that 
that when you get down the track and you, and it starts to fulfil the longer-term visions you have for that business and, and the way it affects your life, I mean, it's impossible not to feel pride, incredible satisfaction and, and immense pride around that. It's no different to, I guess, to your family. You know, you, you spend so much time, effort, energy and money investing into your children and, and you know, and when they finally grow up and get out of your hands and you, you can, you know, you can watch them walk off into the into the wider community and, and lead the lives they're going to leave, that, that there's, there's, you know, it's often a, a massive sense of satisfaction and pride associated with that. And I think... You know, it's the same thing. It's, 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 there's no difference. And so there's no doubt that for me and Deb, you know, we've been blessed in that we've been able to get to our vision um, and, and really achieve what, what it is we wanted to achieve. And, and um, you know, if, if nothing further happens with the business, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be very satisfied. But, I, you know, it's, uh, the thrill for us comes from listening to the stories of the people that we've been involved with now, hearing how, they, how things have changed in their lives and their businesses and, and and you know all the positive things that are that are, that are going on for them. That's really the thing that that drives us forward all the time. It's um, you know, I don't. I mean, Dev and I don't need to work anymore. We 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 we're in a position, a fortunate position. We could retire tomorrow and never have to work again. But you know, we work. We we spend the time. And I still spend a lot of hours on all the businesses that I that I deal with because I love doing it, not because um, it, it's not for monetary gain. It's just I love. The challenges, and I love the rewards that come from seeing the need that you've identified um, being filled, and 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 the goal coming to fruition. That 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 really is the driving passions for sure. Thank you, Greg. I mean, it's it's consistent for Jane and I. Um, I'm going to say, 20 years ago, I Jane and I set down a vision of making a difference of significance in the lives of many thousands of regional families and farming families um, and I couldn't have predicted that I'd stumble upon a conversation with Robbo two years ago and all of a sudden find myself part of a project that is achieving exactly that. So I do, like you, really um, love that construct of setting down compelling visions, I think we call them big, hairy, audacious goals and not having any idea how they are going to turn up in your life. And if you stay in motion and stay with intent toward their attainment, that at some point when you're ready, they do arrive and they do kind of manifest and become a reality. So um, I want to say thank you to you and Deb for, for having the vision that you did and for sticking at it like you have because it's allowing um, a whole lot of others in our team and in our community to achieve their visions as well thank you yes it's it's it is um it is quite incredible what turns up you, you know when you when you've got that compelling vision it, it, things that you would never imagine just or just just turn up it's quite incredible yeah yep greg um i'd love for you if you could just to give your spin on what farm owners academy is here to achieve and why it was that you created it. I mean, you've touched on it. We've talked about the problem that exists in the industry about lack of good governance and those things, but what, what is it that you've created Farm Owners Academy to achieve? And if you could, um, I'd love for you to speak to the Take Control program in particular as the precursor program to our mastermind. Just 
to kind of set, I guess, the context for um, why you set that up as a lead-up program to the, the broader mastermind program. Yeah, so look, the Farmers Academy model, if you like, or process was really set up to help farming business owners um, to, to become um, proficient in, in all of the areas of business management that, I, that we believe is, are critical. Um, and and they, it really takes people right through all aspects of running a successful farming business. Now, we don't spend any time on the technical aspects because everybody makes their, their money in farming in a different way. Um, and, and really that's, you know, the, the technical aspects are the technical, technical aspects, but, but the business aspects, managing a farming business is common to every farming business and, and pretty well every other business as well. So, so um, there's so much that can be learned in that space um, that can really completely change the fortunes of, of, a, of, a, of a farming business. Um, um, the owners, once the owners start to understand what's required to run a successful, uh, run and own a highly successful farming business, then, as I said before, the, the, what happens in the paddock um, will, will start to change as well because the right questions start to be asked of, of the owner um, and of the leadership team. So, um, so really, you know, it's, that's the, the, the process with Farmers Academy. It's a, it's a three years, it's a three year course. Um, we, we play out the whole training over three years, and it's done that way because um, we have a lot of coaching associated with it as well. Um, we talked before about the lack of accountability in the farming space, and and um, part of Farmers Academy is um, is significant amount of coaching, um, accountability coaching, which means that you you know for the for the members of Farmers Academy that are going through the course. Um, with us, they they are held accountable each month to the things that they um, are saying that they that they need to achieve to achieve their longer term vision, and and so we bring accountability to place and in place. So as well as the training and the upskilling, um, there's accountability coaching as well, which helps basically get keep people in motion and get get them moving towards their vision. And and really, it takes several years for old habits to be replaced with new habits. And so we, we need that time frame to, to, to create new habits for farm business owners that are going to then um, take them forward. We, we, the whole thrust of Farmers Academy is to build um, resilient and highly skilled farm business owners that are not dependent on us. So uh, unlike the majority of the consultants models that are around the place, you know, all consultants models work on keeping people welded to them they build dependence on the consultant we actually don't want to build we want to build independence we actually um there's nothing better than to see people leave the program with all the skills that they need to be able to to, to go forward without actually having to to tap us at all um they might they might seek out some opinion or advice from time to time um, but certainly they don't need to tap us for the ongoing activities in their business because because we built um, an independent business owner so that's really what it's about the, the Take Control program was really designed as an introductory opportunity for people to, to just, I guess, put their foot in the water and, and see what it is that we offer in one segment of the, the whole Top Producers program, which is, which is the program that underpins the Farmers Academy um, training pro, uh, process. Um, take, but Take Control is really one of the core and foundational parts of, um, of business um, ownership. It really deals with... Um, the foundational skills that all business owners need. So you know, it's it's basically taking it's it's how you it runs through how to take control of you yourself, 
um, your thinking, your mindset, your attitude towards yourself and business and, and life in general. It runs, it talks about uh, or teaches you about um, taking control of your time. Most of us, or one of the common complaints, I suppose, in business is that people don't have enough time. They're working too many hours and they don't have enough time. And, you know, we all have the same amount of time. It's just that some people use it more efficiently than others. And, and so understanding how to take control of your time is, is really important. Taking control of your money, we've talked about this before, but, you know, it's so important if you don't understand money in your in your farming business, then you are likely not to make good financial decisions and not ask the right questions. And then finally, take control of your team, which is which is so important. If you want to move to a business that that can, um, from a self-managed, uh, from a startup business, which relies on you to a business that doesn't rely on you as much or at all, then you need to have team. And so skills around team, finding team and keeping team are really important. So so really that, that Take Control online program is a, is a really comprehensive, um, I guess, look into um, those four aspects um, and that we go into significantly, um, in significantly more depth um, in the Full Farmers Academy program. Yeah, Greg, thank you. And so it is a five-module self-paced online program that is a really compelling world-class precursor to the mastermind program that is the three-year, um, as you outline. Um, you can take 12 weeks to do that or you have access to all of that online learning content and our team over a 12-month period. So it does allow you to, to go about it methodically and um, you know, thoroughly with your whole farming family and your whole farm team. Um, you know, one of the things I think is unique about what farm owners does, I could go and do an MBA or a business degree myself and then I've got to come back and try and inspire that change within my family and within my farm team and that would be very hard. But I think what's amazing about the way Farm Owners Academy and our program to set up, Greg, is that um, it's like doing an MBA or a really significant business program, but, but both generations and, and both brothers and, and the sister, everyone gets to go through the program together. And it's um, a significant way of bringing multiple families in farming businesses together and going about the same learning and the same strategic development journey. Yeah, it's, it's really important. And, you know, we, we, we're so focused on bringing everybody that makes decisions, uh, that's part of the decision-making team for a farming business together um, in, into the rooms when we do the Farmers Academy training because it's it's a lot of the, the issues that occur in, in farming where you've got multiple people in ownership positions occurs because of poor communication or, you know, lack of shared vision or, or a, a number of things like that. So it, um, part of the process is to get everybody that's involved together going through the training together and and then that raises it brings up questions that opens a conversation around those areas that 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 hopefully will lead to resolution um and and, and alignment and a shared vision going forward and the, the power of a shared vision is unbelievable you know i guess i've mentioned a number of times that you know that, that our vision for for what's turned out to be farmers academy was a shared vision between deb and myself and we're both very we've both been equally passionate about delivering on that vision over the over the years and you know, I can't emphasise enough how important having a shared vision is. And, and even if you're just um, a, a couple who, who run a farm, a wife and uh, husband and wife team, and the husband spends all of his time out in the, in, in the paddock and the wife 
it's looking after children and at home, inevitably, um, you know, the, the, the wife is still a 50% owner of that of that business and, and has as much, I guess, right and as much requirement to understand what's going on with the business from, from its longer-term strategic process and its financial management and all the rest of it um, as the person who's, who's doing the day-to-day farm work. So I really think that, you know, that, that, that bringing the, the team together um, and, and going through the modules and the training together is, is, is absolutely the best way to do it. And so last calendar year, 2020, we invited 100 farming families into our Take Control program. We invited 200 farming families into our financial literacy training program and we invited 75 farming families into our Platinum Mastermind program. And um, it's on the back of this podcast that we are inviting another 100 farming families into this year's Take Control program intake. And so it's um, new and improved, if you like. We've spent time making significant improvements to that over the last few months. Um, It's normally priced at something like $5,000, but for the next 10 weeks, it's $3,500. And we're including two complimentary tickets to our two-day intensive top producer program workshop for people that commit to that in the next 10 weeks. And so if that interests you, please jump onto our website. We'll include a link with this podcast to farmownersacademy.com forward slash take control. Um, there's a host of information there. You can reach out to our team with any questions. But if what has been touched on today is of interest to you and you're keen to make that first significant step in reviewing your skill set around entrepreneurship and business leadership, I do believe that this is a really significant short course and it is a world-class program delivered by Andrew Roberts, who is truly a world-class business coach. And um, we'd love to have you committing to that over the next 10 weeks, making it part of your learning journey and um, to inviting you to be part of the Farm Owners Academy community, which is significant and quite incredible and growing. So, Greg, thank you so much for that. Um, I finish these podcasts often with two questions. And if if you'd humour me, I'm keen to throw them at you as well. Sure. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It's, a, it's an interesting one, Jeremy, but I think, you know, over all of the years of advice I've been given, I come back to some advice that was given to me by my father at a very early age, and that is that knowledge is very light to carry around. And so what he's meaning by that is that, you know, is that you can never learn too much, you know, that you can never spend... Um, too much time on 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 incredible knowledge um, in whatever it is that, that interests you and whatever it, it is that's necessary for you to generate the sort of life that you want to generate. Um, because you may not use the knowledge now, but it's amazing when you've when you've got that knowledge. It's amazing when uh, circumstances might arise that you can actually pull it out and start using it. So uh, incredible, and and in a lot of cases, you know, I've seen people, and I, this has been the case for me. Um, you know, while I was going through the mastermind program we talked about earlier, I, um, you know, things didn't change a lot in our business. It was after we finished and then, we, you know, we, we'd gone through the due diligence process and actually 
started to implement the the changes that we identified that we could we could put in place that's when everything started to happen so it's it's the it's it's learning it's, it's taking the learning and then and then applying it in the given set of circumstances where the power comes out so that would be the best piece of advice i've ever been given for sure magic thank you last question what would you say to a younger you yeah look fantastic and and i say this as well to my kids and uh i, I think in life the most important trait that you can have in life is persistence um so i think that you know whatever you whatever you decide to do in life um if you have a compelling vision for the future or a compelling goal that you want to get to then just get started and persist it's just amazing what happens when you persist too many people give up too early give up too quickly um um, persistence, I think, is the number one thing. If you can teach your kids anything in life, teach them to be persistent. Uh, I just think it's, it's such an important, uh, it's such an important attribute to have in your character. So that would, was what I'd say to a younger younger me if I was going to go back. You know, get started on something, and when you get started on, on it, persist. Perfect, Greg. What a way to finish, Greg. Thank you for um, we go pretty hard in this project, and we're very focused on clients. I really do appreciate you taking the time to perhaps stop and reflect with me on your career and your father's entrepreneurial career and I guess what it was that inspired you to make Farm Owners Academy a compelling and really important project for our industry. Um, and thank you for, I guess, the explanation as to how that came to be and, and your reflections around that. You're very welcome, Jeremy, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, I hope there's been some things in there that uh, are interesting to you and that you can take home um, and, and think about for your own businesses. But, uh, yeah, it's been, um, it's been a wonderful journey and uh, I think hopefully it'll go for a little while yet, um, health, uh, health permitting. So, Absolutely, Greg. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gents, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you found this conversation just as compelling as I have and, Perhaps as a, a rounding out reflection from me, I've heard it said that our success is the result of the books we read and the people we choose to hang out with. I, I feel privileged that I get to have Deb and Greg as mentors to me. And so I guess my question to you in finishing is who do you have around you as mentors that can support and be part of your journey? I think having mentors like Greg and Deb around you is just the other really critical piece in the puzzle to success in business and entrepreneurship. So enjoy your next few weeks. I've got some cracking podcasts ahead around ag tech and um, some other exciting topics. So I look forward to checking in with you again in coming weeks to share those with you. Take care, guys. Thank you and bye for now.